the occasion, all right?
crowd, we just want to say thank you for being here. It means so much to us that you would come and spend Easter with us. We are super excited. We've got a great service planned for you. We're going to dive right back into it. Uh, but my name is Shane. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to, like I said, want to say thanks for coming out. We've got this information on the way in if you find it. Uh, it's got some information. We'd love for you to connect with us, learn a little more about who we are. You can do that online. You can do that on social media. Uh, you can find us in many different ways. We go Facebook Live every morning for our services. You can check us out there. Uh, you can also find us on the Version Bible app. It's a free Bible app. You can download it, and when you sign in, you can find us under the events page, and you can get all these announcements and all the information every week. And also, you can join reading plans, read the Bible with some other people from our church. It's a great way to connect with us through that. But we are excited about what you, what God is doing uh, through you and in you, and we are excited about what God's going to have for us today. And uh, I want to just talk about a couple things about upcoming events that we have that I might be interested in. Next week, we're going to start a new series. It's called Find Joy. And hopefully, we'll teach you a little bit about finding those positive things in life, recognizing those, and experiencing those. Next week, we're going to kick that series off with a great baptism service. Baptism is a celebration where we celebrate new life uh, with, the, with the marking of baptism, kind of taking our faith public. If you're interested in being part of that, you can make that note uh, on your connection card, and, uh, and you can hear a little more about that in just a bit. But please, uh, if you're interested in that, we'd love to invite you to do that. Speaking about the connection cards, they say this. It says, we're glad you're here. That's so true about who we are. We are so glad you're here. If you want to just find this card that you got on the way in, uh, go ahead and find one. If you did not get one and you would like one, if you just raise your hand, I think we've got some extra ones. They're actually going to play a part later in the service. So please find this. Go ahead and grab it. Go ahead and grab your card. You can do it. I know you can. I know you can find it. It looks like this. Says you're glad you're here. Hey, you got it. So uh, go ahead and hang on to those. You can go ahead and fill them out, but don't hand them in. We're going to do something with them later in this service. Uh, but if you'd like to be baptized, like I said, you can indicate that on here. And uh, we are super excited about May 19th. is my favorite Sunday of the whole year here at the Anderson Church. Church is called Serve Our City. We don't believe that church should only be limited to Sunday within these walls. And so we take at least one Sunday a year where we cancel our 11 o'clock service and we do active service projects in our community and giving back to our community. We'd love to have you be a part of that. And you can also indicate if you're interested to be a part of that on this card when you hand it in later in the service. That'd be a great way to connect with us. I invite you back next week. We have a new class starting. Who here likes coffee? Who here likes Jesus? Who here likes coffee and Jesus? Well, it's great even if you don't like coffee. That means more coffee for me. You can come into Jesus. So uh, we invite you back. We're having a new class starting next week, 930. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what brought Jesus joy and what makes Jesus happy and kind of finding that uh, place in this. You won't want to miss that. And every week we'll have an exquisite, uh, rare coffee for you to sample and taste. So like I said, if you don't like coffee, fine. I'll drink it. <laughs> but it's a great experience. You won't want to miss that. Hey, the ushers are going to join me up here. We're excited about what God's going to do. We're going to dive right back into the service today. Uh, would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you. We invite you into this time. This is all for you, Father. We celebrate Jesus' risen life. And because he beat death, we experience that hope. And not just to have life after death, but to have life right now, full life. So I pray that for every person here. She bless the offering, the music, and every element that follows that she'd be the biggest part of everything we do. We look to you, Lord, and we serve you in Jesus' name.
man named Jesus. Trust me, my life got much better when I trusted the truth that Jesus is dead. Don't believe the lie. A risen savior, a life changer, a chain breaker. Believe me, everything changed for me in the moment I wholeheartedly accepted that Jesus was just an ordinary person. Some will tell you that he really was the son of God, that he suffered for our sins, opening blind eyes and healing the sick. That Jesus was God in the flesh, perfect and sinless. It's easy to see how people buy into this, but I'm convinced that it's all a lie. When everything comes down to chance, life is empty, meaningless, and without hope. I simply cannot accept that the same man who lived 2,000 years ago is alive and knows my name, and is personally interested in our lives, that God loves us, there's hope for the human race. Because I now know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that everything I previously believed is a lie. You see, I live my life according to these beliefs. God does not exist. It's foolish to think that there's an all-knowing God with a cosmic plan. That an all-powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering of this world is comforting. However, it's only wishful thinking. People can do it as they please without eternal consequences. The idea that I'm deserving of hell because of sin is a lie meant to, meant to make me a slave to those in power. The more you have, the happier you'll be. Our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. In a world with no God, there is freedom to be who I want to be. But with God, life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame. Without God, everything is fine. It's ridiculous to think I am lost and in need of saving. I used to believe this. Until Jesus flipped the script and turned my world upside down. I am lost in need of saving. It's ridiculous to think everything is fine without God. Without God, life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame, but with God, there's freedom to be who I want to be. In a world with no God, our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. The more you have, the happier you'll be is a lie meant to make a slave to those in power. Because of sin, I am deserving of hell. The idea that people can do it as they please without eternal consequences is only wishful thinking. Comforting thought, however, that an all-powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering in the world, that an all-knowing God with a cosmic plan is just foolishness to think God does not exist. I live my life according to these beliefs. You see, that everything I previously believed in is a lie. I now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is hope for the human race because God loves us and is personally interested in our lives, that the same man who lived 2,000 years ago is alive and knows my name. I simply cannot accept that life is empty, meaningless, and without hope, that everything comes down to chance, that it's all a lie. It's easy to see how people buy into this, but I'm convinced that Jesus was God in the flesh, perfect and sinless, 
opening blind eyes and healing the sick, that he suffered from our sins, that he really was the Son of God. Some will tell you that Jesus was just an ordinary person. Believe me, everything changed for me the moment I wholeheartedly accepted a risen Savior, a life changer. Don't believe the lie, the truth that Jesus is dead. Trust me, my life got much better when I trusted this man, named Jesus.
Easter Sunday, the traditional greeting, you know, the, if, if you're a church person and you go on Easter, then people will say, Christ is risen, and the answer is... You got that right. Some of you know it, all right? He is risen indeed, all right? Let's try that. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, you have to say it like you mean it, okay? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, about 10 years ago, a good friend of mine was new in church. And, you know, he didn't know what to say. He didn't know the church thing. So people said, Christ is risen. And he just said the first thing he gave him was mine. You got that right. <laughs> so that now is my favorite Easter greeting. Would you please honor me by greeting me with that? So Christ is risen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you are with us, that you are alive. Thank you for every moment we've already experienced of your presence. And now, as we look into your word, may you speak as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give somebody a high five or a fist bump and say, you look like you lost weight. <laughs> them. 
They're like every man, every woman. They represent us in the story. They just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And the scripture tells us what they were talking about. They were sort of filling the silence of their long walk by remembering the events of the past week. And it had been quite a week. Just last Sunday, the crowds had been cheering. The Messiah had ridden into the holy city on the back of a donkey as a symbol of kingly humility. And people understood. They were waving palm branches. They were cheering. They were shouting Hosanna. It was just about the greatest spiritual mountaintop that most of them had ever experienced. But that was a week ago. And a lot of change in a week. Thursday night, the Messiah had gathered his closest friends for an intimate dinner. They shared the Passover supper, and when it was done, he instituted this sacred ceremony with bread and wine. And somewhere in the middle of things, the Bible says Satan entered into the heart of his betrayer. And he went out. And it all went to hell. Literally. Soon the betrayer came back with a cunning kiss. A symbol to the Roman guard. And Jesus was arrested and put on trial. Two trials, both, both fake. Both with predetermined outcomes, guilty as charged. And then came the beating. And then came the cross. And these guys had had it. They had wiped off the dust of Jerusalem and headed for the high country. And besides that, that very morning, Easter morning, that Sunday, there was crazy talk. Crazy talk from some women who said they went to the tomb to find the body and finish embalming it, and it was empty. They said they heard from an angel, and the angel said he was risen. And some of their own friends had gone to confirm the news, and they found the body gone, too. That was too much. Too much for them to take. So they put their heads down, and they just kept walking. It's the same walk that some of us have taken. The walk of disappointment and discouragement. The walk back to your car after the visit in the doctor's office when he says it's serious. More serious than you thought at first. The walk from your classroom to the cafeteria when you're pretty sure nobody wants to sit with you today. The walk into work when it's just not fun anymore. You know, when all the lights gone out and the paycheck hardly seems worse. It can even be the walk to church on Easter Sunday morning when you're not sure what you really believe or if it makes much difference. The walks of discouragement and doubt happen to all of us and we do what they did. We put our heads down and we just put one foot in front of the other. And I'd love to read this story with you and talk about how Jesus entered the moment and changed everything. We're told that 
partway along this walk, I am, it was a seven mile walk we're told, so I imagine that's going to take about three hours, one hour in, a stranger shows up. And let's look at the story from Luke chapter 24. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Hmm. It's a bit of a mystery, isn't it? He's playing with them. He's, he's, he's keeping them from fully understanding what we understand. Then the one, he said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who was unaware of the things that have taken place here over the past, over the last few days? Jesus said to them, what things? As if he didn't know, right? As if he didn't know. Jesus wants them to tell him what's in their hearts, their version of the story. It's all coming together, but these guys don't seem to get it. They don't have a clue. So they replied. Then they said to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth. Of course, they're talking to Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over and he sentenced to death and they crucified him. We had hoped. Well, that's powerful. We had hoped. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. All these things happened three days ago. Three days have changed a lot. Three days ago, their hopes had died. Three days ago, their Messiah had been crucified. But there's more to the story. They go on, but there's more. Some women from our group have left a son. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Are you kidding me? They've got it all right there. The whole Easter story, right? Women going to find the empty tomb. An angel telling them that Jesus is alive. Some of their own friends verifying the story. But they just can't connect the dots. There's something in them that cannot grasp the reality, even though they have the facts. Then Jesus started That's always good. They've been doing the talking. They've been messing up the story. They've missed the whole point. But then Jesus starts talking. He said to them, you foolish people, your dull minds keep you from believing all the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. I wish I'd been there for that lesson. 
Jesus takes the very same events that have disheartened and discouraged them and reinterprets them from hopelessness to hope, from despair to victory. What happened on that cross, Jesus said, wasn't murder, it was sacrifice. Something beautiful and powerful, something transformative has happened. Jesus must have given them a master class in Old Testament interpretation. How Moses and the prophets point forward to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Remember in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned and knew they were naked and God took the, the skin of an animal to give them cover and in the process, blood was shed because of sin. Remember in Genesis chapter 15, God's promises to Abraham to create, to make him the father of a great nation that would change the course of history. This was pointing to the one-day Messiah. The Passover from Exodus when God delivered the Jewish people from Egypt and intervened through the, the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost. This is pointing to Jesus. The whole Old Testament sacrifice system revealed in the book of Leviticus. This is me, guys. It's not just a story. It's all about me. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The very words Jesus quotes on the cross. Don't you see it? Don't you get it? Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he will be named Emmanuel, God with us. That's me, Jesus says. And gradually their hearts are warmed. As they began to understand that God was truly up to something. They get to walk a couple of miles with Jesus. As he unfolds to them and explains to them God's grand purpose. To save the world by sending his one and only son. What seemed like disaster turns into the greatest victory in all of history. God was up to something amazing. When Jesus comes along, and Jesus enters the story, and Jesus walks with us, he changes everything. He puts it in a new perspective. He turns it inside out and upside down. God is up to something incredible. What happened on Calvary wasn't defeat. It was victory. It wasn't the end. It was only the beginning. God took the very worst thing the world could throw at Jesus, crucifixion and transformed it into the best thing God could ever do for us. Love and grace and forgiveness and life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Isn't that great? What a story. What a true story. Now here's what I know. I've walked that road and so have you, that road of discouragement or disappointment. When I couldn't quite put the pieces together, when I didn't remember the lessons God had already taught me, or was trying to teach me, I got my eyes on myself and off of him. You know, on a Sunday like this when the church is full, I think about people who have given up on God. For whatever reason, their, their religious experience wasn't what they had hoped it would be. That was certainly true for these guys. 
You know, they had figured out God in a box. They knew just how the Messiah was supposed to come. Prophet, priest, and king, he would set them free and liberate them from the heavy boot of Rome. But it didn't work that way. And a lot of us have had our expectations about what our church would be like, you know. Oh, how perfect the pastor would be. <laughs> Sorry, this point, right? How nice everyone would be all the time. How, how church would be just this happiness all the time, wonderful peace of mind, and it didn't pan out that way. Somebody let you down. Somebody said something shouldn't have. It happened. And I'm sorry it happened. I wish it didn't happen as often as it did. I think God wants to give us all grace to be more like Jesus more of the time. Even in church. But when you get hurt or when you get disappointed or when you get let down, remember, it's never about the pastor and it's never about the singers and it's never about the building and it's never about the people. It's always about Jesus. And he will never let you down. And he shows up in the middle of their disappointing walk and he says, you're missing the point, guys. You're missing the point. It's all about me. I am the risen Savior, and I have come for you. And I get, they get, I get my eyes up off the imperfections of the churches that I've been in and the hurts I've had and the disappointments I've been through. And I get my eyes on Jesus and everything changes. I know some people have been walking down that road of disappointment, you know. Life hasn't turned out just the way you'd hoped. I mean, wouldn't we all like the, the lines of our lives to go up and to the right all the time? Every, everything better. All, you know, each day better. No, no problems at work, no problems with our health, no awkward relationships. Anybody find that life yet? And when we're in the middle of that, in those ordinary days when it's just hard to remember that God is alive and He is good, sometimes we forget. And I've mentioned to you several times, when I, whenever I come to communion and I remember that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, I'm like, really? Really? You, really? you want me to remember you, Jesus? How can I ever forget you? You know, you've forgiven my sins. Change my life. You turn me inside out and upside down. Make me the, the, the person that I was created to be. How could I ever forget you? And then I forget. Then I get busy. Then I get distracted or discouraged or disappointed. You know, there are some people who tell you that you follow Jesus and it will all just be rosy and perfect and happy every day. And I know they mean well. I mean, he does make life better all the time. But there are disappointments and there are hard things. And bad things do happen to good people. And God is still good. And he is still God. And he still loves us with an everlasting love. And I was thinking about the life journey God has taken us on. You know, we're in an interesting place in our lives. Forty years as a pastor, um, with the best, most godly support of life I've ever had. 
five congregations. A little town in Western Canada, an urban center, growing cosmopolitan city in the west of Canada as well. Then Temperance, Michigan. Anybody been to Temperance, Michigan? A Michigan suburb of Toledo, Ohio. And uh, God did an amazing thing there in the church we pastored for 12 and a half years. And then out to Washington State, near Nancy Stoll, Spokane, Washington, five and a half years there. And then back to beautiful downtown Davidson. Right? The best of all. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Uh, God's doing some awesome things here. I was just so lucky that I've been here. Now, you can look at that life. And you say, I'm not rich and famous. I didn't write a bestseller, you know. God did so good. God is so good. And when I see Jesus in the center of my life, when I see where he brought me from and where he is taking me now and trusting him for the future, how cool is that? It doesn't get any better than that. I have life and life to the full. And if you know Jesus, so do you, even in the disappointment. And I put one foot in front of the other, and I do what I believe God is leading me to do. And Jesus walks with me, and when Jesus comes along, everything changes. He puts everything in new perspective. Just like Pastor Shane's backward, forward, switch the script reading, right? You think it's heading one day, and then Jesus arrives, and he turns it all around. And I love the fact that at the end of this story, in Luke chapter 24, something amazing happens to these guys. And it doesn't happen through the Bible lesson as good as the Bible lesson was. I mean, we should all know our Bible and read our Bible and study our Bible, but the Bible will never save you. The person in the Bible, Jesus will. And so past the scriptures, beyond the pages, beyond the words, to this music of the soul, Jesus breaks bread with them. Let's go back to the passage and pick it up. But when they came to Emmaus, Jesus acted as if he was going on ahead. Don't you love it when Jesus messes with people? <laughs> he gives them the Barry Sanders juke, you know what I mean? I'm going, I'm saying, I'm going, okay? But they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to speak with them, and after he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight. Here's what I know. God works in our lives. He walks on the way. He goes with us through whatever life brings our way. And then there is that moment when he sits with us and we know he's here. When we know he knows our name and he knows our stuff. And it's as if he breaks bread and looks us in the eye and suddenly everything changes. I was here last night preparing for today and I walked by every pew and put my hand on the end and prayed for a blessing on your life. And then, while I was in the middle of that, I was trying to think, well, who might sit here or who might sit there? And then you know what God said to me? He knows. He knew exactly where you were going to sit today, right? And he has a blessing for you 
your name on it. And Jesus Christ is in the house, and he changes everything. And so for the next few moments, we have a gift for you. It's a video and a song. And it is my prayer that in these holy moments, Jesus will sit with you. And when you watch the sacred moments in the video, you will sense it's real. It's not just a movie. And when you listen to the song, especially these powerful and amazing lyrics that we're about to share, God, by His Holy Spirit, will visit you.
what he says is bad. What he says is true. I, Jesus said, am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's here for us today. He is alive. He is in the house. When Jesus comes along, the walk changes. The walk from despair and defeat can be transformed into a walk of joy and victory. Isn't that great? Isn't God good? Yes. He is here with us today. And so it's my prayer that as I close in a moment of prayer, you will pray with me and Jesus will touch you today. And if you are a follower of Jesus, and maybe you've been a little distracted or maybe perhaps a little disappointed, I don't know, God knows. You want to say today, I need a fresh touch from the risen Savior. I really need to embrace his life again today. Let's pray. Lord God, I just pray for my friends, my family, this church, that together today we would come running to you with all our hearts. Lift our spirit. Lift our eyes. Help us to see you high and lifted up. You have defeated sin and death and the grave and you are alive forevermore. And we needed that reminder today. And if while we're praying, you want to say, Pastor, I needed that reminder today. It was for me. You put your hand up and say, pray for me. And include me in this prayer. I needed to be encouraged today. Would you put your hand high? I want to pray for you. I want to bless you in Jesus' name. Lord, you see each one of these who said they needed a touch from you today. And I pray that you would hear and answer those prayers. And lift their spirit and strengthen their spiritual walk. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And while the Spirit of God is stirring, maybe today is the day for you to say, I do believe, I do receive. Maybe you've been on the edge of faith. Maybe you once were close to God, but you've wandered away. Or perhaps you've never come to Christ. If you want to say, Pastor, today is my day. I'm coming back. I'm opening my heart to Jesus today. Will you put your hand up proudly? Boldly, let me pray for you. Yes. Others? Today is your day. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, you see each one of these who are making a new beginning today in you. And I pray that you would meet them at their point of need exactly where they are in their walk. Look them in the eye. Speak to them of your love and grace and forgiveness. Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. Come and live in me and make me new right now. God, I believe you hear and answer that prayer every time it is prayed from an honest heart. So thank you for changed lives today. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. 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 Aren't you glad you came today? Aren't you glad the Lord is with us today? Let's give the Lord a Get ahead of the task. All right. 
I already put my trust in Christ before I came. I'm a Christian. And I know. Me, as I'm beginning a new life in Christ today, I'd love to encourage you and pray for you. Would you put that on the card if you prayed with me this morning? And then see is I need more time to consider Christ. Write that on the back of your uh, uh, bookmark or on the connection card that you have. And then B is, I don't want to follow Jesus. That's a bold thing to say, isn't it? And you know what? Every year somebody put D last year, puts C next year, or puts B the following year because God does amazing things when we let Him, when we give Him a chance. So God, in this moment, while people are filling out a card and writing down a letter, I pray that it would be a holy and eternal transaction. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, the first part of this song, stay seated, and we'll pass the collection plates, and then when we get to the back, we'll stand and sing. How's that? Does that work for you guys? Let's sing it. Lord, go with us all.